0: Welcome to Waterbrook Church, located in Victoria, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today as Pastor Kevin Diddley starts a new series entitled, All is Calm, All is Bright. Seven Bible passages that can bring peace and hope to the church in a time of chaos and uncertainty. For the last six Sundays in 2020 and the first in 2021, we're going to study the final seven passages of scripture that are part of our Church Fighter Versus Memory program. We thought that in this time of chaos and uncertainty, the best thing that we can do is try to get God's word deep into our hearts and lives. We are doing so that we might help each other be filled with peace and hope in these crazy COVID times. So would you be willing to join us in this? Would you take up the challenge to memorize some or all of these passages? Would you be willing not only to finish 2020 by needing God's word into your heart and mind and life, but to jump on 2021 with comfort, encouragement, and hope of the scriptures? Today's sermon is entitled From Groaning to Glory, pleading that pleases and persuades God. Let's worship together.
1: Well, um You know, we're going to look at this great text. In fact, I want want to just encourage you, if you want to read Revelation 21 over the next few weeks, um, we are going to finish the week in the resurrection and the new heaven and the new earth. And I hope that as we're coming to an end of a very difficult year, this will be really, really encouraging for you. And that's the truth today, because we all will be changed in Jesus Christ. And that's really great news because, um, you know, one of the things that's going on right now with the vaccine uh, potentially coming and being distributed is there's a lot of people just hoping we can get back to normal. There's just a desire for normalcy. So I, I just want to announce something, the world's not normal. That's the first thing. If you don't know that, there's no such thing as normal since the Garden of Eden. Or if there is normal, it's broken and And we live under death, and we live in a broken world of sin. And here's what Paul's doing. Paul, you know, this is the thing about the Apostle Paul. Paul is passionate about several things. So those of you young people uh, who are coming on Wednesday nights, you're studying the book of Galatians, and I think there's uh, Ralph, your group studying Galatians on Monday night. Um those of you who are studying Galatians know that Paul is very passionate about justification by faith alone in Jesus Christ. That it is not of works, it is of grace. That's the whole thing. And what Paul is also very passionate about is the bodily resurrection from the dead. The bodily resurrection. Not reincarnation. Not some spiritual kind of altered world thing, Paul has seen personally the resurrected Jesus. He's seen him. John talks about it at the beginning of 1 John, him who we have heard and touched and seen with our eyes. These cowardly groups of disciples that were with Jesus become courageous because they encountered the actual physically resurrected Jesus. Peter will write in 1st Peter and particularly 2nd Peter that he saw the transfigured Jesus as well as the resurrected Jesus. He can see our future. And friends, I got news. The future's glorious. And so the Bible doesn't say the goal of the Christian is to get back to normal. The goal of the Christian is to get ahead to the new. Got that? The goal of the Christian is not going back to normal. Friends, we're done with normal. We want what's new. Christ came to make us new. And there is a radical transformation coming at the coming of Christ. And so Paul saw that. He says at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, says, you know what? There are a lot of people who saw Jesus, and then Jesus went to heaven, and then God sent Jesus to see me. As if I was born too late, he said. And so you want to get Paul riled up. That's why, you know, when Kayla read this uh, text, and John and I were joking about this earlier, we were reading through this text of Scripture, and we're going, Paul comes into this text of Scripture at the early section, and somebody says, so what about the body? What, What kind of body are we going to have? And Paul's response is, you fool. <laughs> and I thought, man, oh, man, you don't tick off Paul when he gets passionate about something. You idiot, you doofus. I mean, maybe that's my dibbly translation. But you get a sense, he's going, what's going on here? And you know what? He's speaking to a culture. He's speaking to a people that were very body-oriented. And so let me give you a little background on Corinth because this is out of 1 Corinthians. Corinth had a couple of very significant uh Physical features to the city, and and highlights to the activity of the city. One, they were the host of the Isthmian—I <laughs> can't even say it—Isthmian Games, which was second to the Olympics. You'd like, you'd call it like the uh, the wor- world uh, track championships. They they were the host there, and the Isthmian Games, like the Olympics, were a celebration of the human potential the human body was held up in its glory as something capable of achieving great things also corinth was famous because it was the place where the temple of aphrodite was and if you've ever seen greece and um Rome and all of the architecture, you remember some of these huge temples, the ruins of some of these temples. Well, the temple of Artem- or Aphrodite's, the temple of Aphrodite was a temple where they had a thousand temple priestesses who practiced prostitution. And so if you were raised in Corinth, you were raised conscious of the human body in a way that it had great potential And it had great disgust. It could be praised and it could be prostituted. And so for many people, you know what this is like when they're saved out of a culture preoccupied with the distortion of, and, and, and strange ideas about the worth and the, and the indignity and the, un, and the dignity of the human body. When they come out of it, the, what's one of the ch- big questions? What about the human body? Because they were raised, many of them coming to faith, that the human body was, you know, had great longings and could have great glory, but on the other hand, it was capable of great evil. And so to be saved was kind of to be saved out of that world. To be rescued from idolatry was visually that kind of a world. And so the question comes up, but what about the human body? What kind of body? They were, many of them were taught, we saw this in 1 John in Gnosticism, that there was a separation between the physical and the spiritual. And the Bible says this, absolutely not. There's not a separation here that the body, what we have, this physical body in this life, as corrupt as it is, was made in the image of God. And here's the good news, right now it's in seed form, but it's going to come back in a great and glorious form in the resurrection. And what you and I need to see in the New Testament about the bodily resurrection is that the groaning that we have in this body because of sin and because of sickness, because of COVID, because of corruption, the groaning in this body will one day be done with once and for all. And it will be glory from there on in. And you will know it and see it and taste it and enjoy it. That's what Paul is arguing so I have a quote here from some of my studies. I do, I, I'm do. doing a, a doctoral program in le, Christian leadership. And so one of the quotes I have from one of my books is, is from Hefits uh, and Linsky. Some of you have heard me say this. People don't resist change, they resist loss. And so, you know, if you gave somebody a thousand or a million dollars, they'd go, thanks. But if you work through what people are stressed about it's somehow we're... Losing. Isn't that what America is doing right now? Isn't that what people they're they're grieving the loss of being able to be with family? They're grieving the loss of life as usual. Well guess what? We've been grieving the loss since the fall in the garden. The loss of, of communion with God. The loss of dignity of man. The loss of functioning. The loss of health and safety. We've been grieving this loss. Guess what? Let's look forward. Let's get our eyes set on the future because glory is around the corner and Christ will make all things new. Now we're going to hammer that away for a few weeks. But listen to what C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity. Mere Christianity probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy but only to arouse it and to suggest the real thing and I'm just going to pause here and make this comment because this is where cults come in and this is where false doctrine came in in biblical times some people will come away and say and Lewis argued against this they come along and say the problem with us is that we have too strong we have strong desires so the way you deal with bodily desires is you've got to crush them and suppress them. Lewis argued this. The problem isn't that we've got strong desires. The problem is our desires are too weak. We're trying to satisfy our desires that we have, our longings that we have, with things like money and sex and pleasure when we were made for Jesus. We are made for God. And so he says the problem isn't that we have longings, it's that we're hoping to get them now rather than in the new creation. So listen to what he says. He says, It is for that reason I must take care on the one hand never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings. Has COVID made you thankful for blessings that have been taken from you? That you've enjoyed? Of course it has. And we should be thankful. And on the other hand, we are never to mistake them for something else of which they are only a copy or an echo or a mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country. So that's what we're doing on Sunday mornings. Our, our 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 goal on Sunday mornings is not to be an American church that groans over a past that's lost. Our goal as a church on Sunday morning is to be a multi-ethnic, God-centered, kingdom-oriented church which is proudly, gladly pointing towards the future in jesus christ we have a new day coming and you have a new body coming so grown away but keep hope i must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country which i will not find till after death I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main objective of my life to press onto that country and to help others do the same. So Christians, this is what you need to do in this culture. In this culture, you've got to tell people, my goal isn't to get back to normal. My goal is to get ahead to new. And then you've got to explain what you mean by that. Right? Can you do that this week? Can you talk to people? Our goal is not to get back to normal. Our goal is to get home to our true country. And I want you to come with me. That's what he's teaching. And that's what the resurrection, that's why Paul is passionate here about the goal. Now, I want to give you John Newton's quote because this is a great quote. John Newton, who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. You and I as Christians, in all the tremors and all the trembling of what's going on around us, can I remind you of something? We're almost home. So John Newton says this, Suppose a man was going to New York to take possession of a large estate and his carriage should break down a mile before he got to the city, which obliged him to walk the rest of the way. What a fool we would think of him if we saw him wringing his hands and blubbering out all the remaining mile, my carriage is broken, my carriage is broken. Christians many of us have been walking around this last year going my carriage is broken my carriage is broken and we're almost home to our inheritance so we need to talk about this and encourage every Christian ought to have such an understanding of the resurrection that he or she would be more gripped by the glory that is to be gained at the end of this life than the groaning that is common in this one got it You and I need to be more gripped by the glory of what we have in the promise of the resurrection than the groaning we have right now in this part of the journey. Friends, my carriage is broken, but my king is coming, and he will make all things new. He will make all things new. That will give you clarity so that you can be freed from groaning over these things to get on with the business of the gospel to get on with the life he's called you to live so let me share with you i put a little chart here that we're going to see in this text of scripture of the things that we groan over the things we feel in the bodily suffering death you know and and let's just be honest in covid it doesn't matter how old you are you realize you're frail right sam basketball practice Right? Goes, runs around, sure he's playing basketball practice like crazy, comes home, fevered down. COVID showed our youngest, our our strongest. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, and our our lives are in the hands of God. That's true for all of us. We're acutely aware that we are physical beings in a fallen world, but we have a great future. We have a glorious future. So let me show you some of the things that we groan over when we think about the subject of death. And it's constantly before us. I put these things, the loss of permanence. Everybody wants to live forever. You've been made to live forever. The Bible says that in Ecclesiastes, eternity has been placed in your heart. Right? So it's right. How many people want to live? Hopefully, I was expecting more hands. but We have counseling here. You know. I mean, the, the reality is, even when you don't want to live, the reason you don't want to live is because you do want to live and you don't want to live this way. Right? right? We want permanence. And here's the difficulty in our weakness and our brokenness and in death. The thing that we've grown over is I'm perishing. This body is perishing. As you get older, you realize, I can't do what I want to do. I can't attain. Right? And there are times of acute weakness and illness where you discover and so one of the things that people are afraid of is their, that the, the fact that they're perishable. Guess what, friends? You're perishable. You know that jar of salad dressing in your fridge that if you go home and read it, it says you bought it in 2010? You need to throw that sucker out. It's not the point of my sermon, though. The reality is What? The reality is is that it says that's perishable and you've got perishable on you but you've got perishable on this body but you don't have perishable on your identity in Jesus Christ you will be imperishable. Number 2 the loss of significance. What do we struggle with? The indignity. You know dying is brings indignity. It does I had cancer a couple of years ago, and Diego took me to the doctor's office to get a catheter removed. Friends, as I was going to do that, and those of you who know who who deal with this kind of stuff, some of you have to deal with this stuff regularly with medical issues. When you're dealing with these medical issues, you go, man, I'm just so tired of these medical issues, right? Some of you have had multiple surgeries and stuff like that. I, I haven't had nothing. You're just walking in, you know, you go in to see the doctor. There's no dignity left when you go into the doctor's office. The doctor doesn't come in and say, you know, oh, I'm a little awkward. Well, the doctor comes in and says, we're going to deal with this. And there's a groaning inside. There's a longing when we won't be dishonored. Guess what? There's a lot of indignity to being human. But one day, we will be filled with honor, never to be undignified again. And so sometimes I just feel like in my own struggle, I'm pathetic. <laughs> Anybody ever feel that? I'm perishable. I'm pathetic. There's also the loss of resilience. That's why. My, my body wants to go on forever. I want to be strong. Don't you want to be strong? But what happens? You get weaker. Sin makes man weaker. Death brings weakness. And, I, and, I, and the Bible says, Paul's saying here, you know what? In this physical body, you'll have weakness. But in the next, you'll have, his word, dynamite. The next body. And so we go along and we see, you know what, I'm powerless. There's some things that, that are great. How many of us feel powerless in 2020? Powerless over the government, powerless over the economy, powerless over our health, powerless over schooling, powerless over our kids, powerless over our parents. We feel powerless all the time. And that's because without Christ we have no power. It's just reality. But in Christ and in the resurrection there will be no weaklings. No struggles, no powerlessness. The last one, the last of settledness. Now I meant by that is I had different words for that. You know, I, I want to get to that point where I can say, there, I finished it, right? I've arrived. Don't you want to get to that point? There, I'm done. No more troubles. Guess what happens, folks, in this life? Guess what happens as you get older? One of the things you discover as you get older is that until you get to glory, you won't be done the work. You won't be, in, you, you won't be perfected yet. And that's a groaning. You know, I thought, I thought by the time I was a Christian 10 years, I wouldn't struggle with this anymore. You know why they made the movie, I think it was in Minnesota or somewhere around here, Grumpy Old Men? And not grumpy young men? Because young men think I won't be grumpy when I'm older. Old men think I'm not going to get better. Right? And they think, man, what's the matter with the world? What's the matter, what? You know what, why grumpy old men are grumpy with the world? Because grumpy old men are grumpy with themselves. It hasn't, got to where they thought it was going. But dear friends, this struggling body is just the seed. The heavenly body that's to come is the sequoia. Understand? I'm going to put that in your head. This is the seed but there's going to be a resurrection and the life that we know now is not worthy to be compared the glory that you're going to see in the future the body what about your body this body the bible says he says all the west, there are different bodies birds have bodies fish have bodies paul has bodies right he's going like it. humans have bodies right paul goes there's different body heavenly bodies there's stars and planets and there's the moon. What's he doing? He's going there's an earthly body, there's a first Adam, he had a body and there's a heavenly body, Jesus and he's got a heavenly body and my dear friends we were born in Adam's body but we are going to be resurrected in Jesus' body, in a new body. That's what he's saying here. The seed, this body, is a shell that has to be planted in the soil of death and it will rise to glory. So I'm going to use that, and you can give the illustration just of a sequoia just to give you a little data on the sequoia tree um, and uh, I drive a Toyota sequoia. It's a, you know, the old beater out in the parking lot there. It's the biggest truck that Toyota or SUV that Toyota makes and uh, it's, it's, it's called the sequoia because you know how big the sequoia tree is? look at some of the data on the sequoia tree a sequoia tree is one of the most massive individual trees in the world they grow to an average height of 164 to 279 feet and a diameter of 20 to 26 feet so you've seen the pictures of the redwoods out in california right you can some of the some of them are carved out you can drive down the, your vehicle right through the middle of a A sequoia tree. Record trees have been measured at 311 feet tall and uh, trunk diameters of 56 feet have been claimed. The oldest known sequoia tree is 3,200 to 3,266 years old. You know why they don't know? Because when you get to the middle with those rings, they're really small. No, I'm just joking. You ever cut a tree open and look at the rings? Imagine counting 3,000 rings in the middle of a tree. The giant sequoia grows by what? How does a sequoia start? A seed. Now let me ask you, how big is a sequoia seed? It's inside a cone. It's inside a cone shell. Here's the size of a sequoia that is up to 279 feet tall. It starts out as a uh, dark brown, 0.16 to 0.20 long seed. Isn't that amazing? And it's .04 inches broad and .04 inches wide. That little seed becomes a great sequoia, glorious sequoia. Isn't that crazy? Isn't it, aren't you amazed that God gives us these illustrations? Now, here's the question I want to ask you. How does a sequoia seed begin to grow? What gets it outside of its shell? Right. Fire. Virtually always, there's in, bugs can do it, there's other means, but almost always, the best way to unleash a sequoia seed is through fire you go in the fire you (laughs) popcorn pops i guess i don't know what it does it bursts out of the shell and suddenly you've got a tree that goes on for three thousand years here's what paul's saying friends this body sick body weak body struggling body is going to go in the ground and it is going to come up under the pressure of death in the power of christ and it will be the sequoia that lasts forever No limitations, no struggles. Let your groaning be answered by the promise of a bodily resurrection in Jesus Christ. Is that good news? So let's just think about this this morning because here's why you need to know this. It is the hope of our resurrection bodies that keeps us serving now. How does 1 Corinthians 15 end? Be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Friends, you don't have to save your life. You don't have to worry about the struggles. You don't even have to be ashamed of your weaknesses. We've all got this stuff. But here's the good news. This ain't going to last forever. And it is going to come forth in the glory like you've never imagined. Young people, you can't imagine how glorious your body's going to be one day. Indestructible. Eternal. Powerful so let's just walk through this text go to verse 42 and 43 he says so it is with the resurrection from the dead he's talked about all these different glories of bodies and then he says what is sown is what perishable but what is raised is imperishable so your resurrected body is going to be physically indestructible in Christ, you will be raised from, transformed from physically perishable to physically imperishable. Now, that, that's, that's great news for us, right? Because you feel how weak you are. There, there are some days you just feel like, I'm not going to make it. Some of you have outlived your life expectancy and the quality of life. My mentor was told that he would not be able to walk stand after he got to fifty years of age. So when you get to fifty, you'll be in if if you get that far, you'll be in a wheelchair and that'll be the that'll be radically changing. He has no hip joints. He was born without them. But he's learned to walk and he's built muscles that hold his legs. They can't give him hip replacement surgery because there's no hip to put that in. So I just want to tell you that my mentor is seventy years old and he's still standing strong and preaching itinerant preaching across North America. Now, he's outlived that, but one day he's going to get a body that has no pain and no suffering as imperishable, and that'll be glorious. So Randy Alcorn says, Our resurrection bodies will never fail us. They'll work in perfect concert with our resurrected minds. We won't get sick. We won't grow old or die from any accident or natural causes. So here's what I want to say to you. Young people, don't... When you hear that you're perishable, sometimes you feel like life's hard and you're not going to make it. Don't do what they were doing in the Corinthian church. Don't try to save your life now. Don't get filled with constant anxiety about what's going to happen with COVID. Don't let that overrun you. Don't go into the idols that alleviate your anxiety. You know, some people, Paul will say this later in the text, you know, why am I giving myself up to sacrifice for the gospel if the dead aren't raised? What should we do? Let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die and see most of the culture that we live in don't believe that they have any hope so they're going to do pot they're going to do drugs to get rid of the fear and the anxiety they're going to engage in all kinds of sex in order to feel better about their their youthfulness because their youthfulness is escaping you and here's the problem now right The problem now is that we live longer, so you've got to watch old people trying to be young people. So you get this whole promiscuity. We're Corinth all over again. And they're asking, what do we do with these bodies? And Paul's saying, don't worry about your body. It's failing, but it will be raised imperishable. And that allows you not to worry about preserving your life. Pour out your life for Christ. You say, i got limitations. It doesn't matter. Those limitations are like the bumpers at the bowling alley. Right? You ever go bowling and they put bumpers up? I'm probably the only guy who can get a gutter ball with the bumpers up. (laughs) Right? Maybe you've never done it. They put bumpers up to keep you from going in the gutter. You know what? God puts limitations on us because of our sin in order to point us to Christ and also to direct our ministry. I can't do everything that you can do. And some of us have abilities that we, other people can't do. But here's the point. God gives according to His wisdom. You don't have to... You don't, here's the thing. You don't have to cheat death when death has already been defeated. Live your life. Live it. Pour it out because you're going to be made new isn't that good news yeah. here's the second thing your resurrected body is going to be physically incomparable look at 15 verse 43 it is sown in what dishonor it is raised in glory here's, here's one of the difficulties of our bodies you know what our bodies are undignified right that's, that's the difficulty in when they're being... You know, imagine Jesus. What did they do to humiliate Him? They stripped Him. And then they whipped His body. And they put a crown of thorns in His head and they made Him struggle down the road. Put a cross on His shoulders such that He fell down. What were they doing? They were humiliating. That was the point of crucifixion. Crucifixion was cruelty and Humiliation. It was indignity. He was despised and rejected. Man on whom nobody even, you didn't even want to look. That was Jesus. Why did he do it? Because Jesus, Hebrews said, set his eyes on the joy set before him. This body will go to the grave. You know, as you get older, it's just, it's harder. Life's less dignified. One of you. Didn't ask permission to say this, so I won't say who, but one of you sent a picture of your mom this week who fell. And you just look, that's so hard to watch. Right? It's so hard to see the heartache of it. But here's the truth. It hurts, and it's not pleasant, and it's undignified, but God has a remedy for that in Jesus Christ. He took our shame so he might raise us in dignity and glory. And so it says we... Live this life in dishonor and death is dishonorable and we are ashamed. But guess what? He says, but we will be raised in doxa, which is the word for worship. We'll be raised in glory. Aren't you looking forward to that? The day there's no more indignity. So this is what what it means for you. Friends, don't worry about humiliation. It doesn't matter what people say about you. Young people, don't worry about what people think about you because we already know what God thinks about you. You were a royal priesthood, a chosen people. He's given you the right to be called the children of God. And you know what? It might be undignified, but this is what God says. He will take our indignity and bring glory to His name. And so one day we will be raised. Don't, don't worry about being exposed for your struggle and your weakness. We can suffer indignity and humiliation for Christ because in the resurrection, we will never suffer those indignities again. We embrace his humiliation because we will share in his glorification. Isn't that good news? Thirdly, your resurrected body is also going to be physically indefatigable. I don't even know if that's a word, but I wanted to use it. I tried to find synonyms and stuff like that and they were going no. And you know the spelling check is going no and I'm going no that's a word. (laughs) You know what it means? You'll never be fatigued again. You'll never be weary again. In Christ you'll be transformed for perpetual and progressive weakness into intolerable, inalterable strength. He says it is sown, the seed is sown in weakness and it is raised in sequoia kind of power. The word power is dunamis in the Greek. We use the word dynamite. I saw a video the other day of a lightning strike in a creek. And all of a sudden it was just like boom, and this creek blew up. Logs from the bottom of the creek came exploding. My dear friends, Jesus will come in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet boom, and the graves will flip up, and the dead in Christ will rise. And they will not rise up weak, struggling ever again. They will be raised up in the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of God. So here's the thing. Older folks, don't worry that you're wear- wearing out. Because you're only going to be tired for a little while. You know what, young people? I don't know. Everybody, Everybody's tired. Is everybody tired? seems like everybody's tired all the time. Tired with worry, tired with work, tired with stress. Here's what I want to say. Don't worry that you're wearing out and down. Worry that you're wearing yourself out for the wrong thing. We're spending our energy trying to save our lives when our lives couldn't be more secure pour out your life exhaustion only lasts for this life pour out your life for Christ love the Lord with all your what? might, all your heart, all your mind here, you don't have to love the Lord with my might you love the Lord with your might that might be in a hospital bed that might be with the robust strength of the ever ready ever ready bunny. It's not your weakness that's your problem. His grace is sufficient for you. His power is perfected in weakness. Oh well, God doesn't have any problem using weak people; He chooses weak people to use so that his grace is glorified through us. Is that not good news? Here's another thing. Let me remind you Psalm 103. As a father has compassion on his children, so the the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Is that comforting? Oh, God, I'm struggling. Of course you're struggling. You're dust. Oh, God, I'm weary. Of course, you're not me. Stop being God. Stop being your own savior. Stop thinking you have to have all the power to solve all the problems. You're dust. What does dust do? It lays in the corner and waits for the robovac. <laughs> right? Just lay there and wait for God to do something through you. Or get up and go with the energy you have and watch him take five loaves and two bread of your energy and feed 5,000. Nothing is too difficult for him. Here's the last thing. Your resurrected body is going to be completely spiritual. Now, that's a strange thing. But, you know, if you look at verse 44, it says it's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. That might mess with our minds a little bit because we're going, what's a spiritual body? Because that's almost like we separate those things. The Bible doesn't. I'm going to say a couple of things. What What could Jesus do after his resurrection? he could eat so he's got a body he can walk through walls I hope I get to do that right I'm just going to do that for maybe a thousand years in glory (laughs) people are going to go is there any way to lock those walls and and the answer is no because like I have the spiritual gift of annoyance and I'm going in (laughs) hyper power right you know I mean there's those kind of things but here I think in the new heaven and the new earth, the body is going to have capacities that we see in the resurrected and glory of Christ. But here's what it actually think it means in Corinthians, that the body in this life is always hindered by the flesh. But in the heavenly life, it will be totally in step with the Spirit, never to struggle again. Why do I think that? Look at, look at how the exact same words are used in 1 Corinthians 2. The same words, natural and spiritual. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him. He's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. So my natural body constantly battles the flesh. I can't of myself live the life God's called me to live. But listen to what he says. The spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. See the difference between the natural body and the spiritual body? The natural body is plagued by the flesh. The spiritual body is freed from the flesh to fly in the spirit, to live according to the will of God. Here's what I've grown over most as a Christian. I'm 500 years old now, and I'm still a doofus. I still struggle. I still get anxious. I still get impatient. I still have my temper tantrums. My pride comes in. Why? 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 Because you haven't been in the grave to be raised as a sequoia, but I'll tell you this, when you're raised, the flesh will be done with once and for all. You will be a spiritual body. And you will fly spiritually like you've never. You'll be worshiping like you've never. You'll be free from the baggage of sin. Aren't you looking forward to that day? Isn't that a glorious day that we've been promised? That's the future for every Christian. So don't lose heart, friends, that you're struggling with the flesh during COVID. Fight. But God's grace is sufficient for you. One day that battle will be forever over and you will be fully unleashed in the power of the Spirit. The devil will say to you, you're not worthy to live for God and you say, get thee behind me, Satan. My sin is paid for. Your doom is sure. A day is coming and I will be free at last. Fight on. Fight on. So what do you do? Let me give you three things. Number one, confess your fears. Can you do that today? Maybe you're afraid of death. Maybe you're afraid of embarrassment and humiliation. Maybe you're afraid that people are going to see that you're weak. Maybe you're going to be afraid you can't do what you're called to do. Maybe you're afraid of failing. Just confess that to God. He knows that you're but dust. He knows. Isn't that good? Is he your father? He knows. Confess your fears and correct your focus. What does that mean? Get your eyes off yourself. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. That second Adam, that heavenly man, when he comes back, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trumpet, will raise you up, be with him, and you will be changed forever. Look not to what you see or what you fear you're losing. Friends, stop looking back. Stop looking in the mirror. Start looking ahead. Christ is coming and he will make all things new. Oh, friends, it doesn't really matter what the governor says this week. It doesn't matter when the vaccine ultimately rolls out. What ultimately matters is when Christ rolls in. When he rolls in, he'll raise us up. That doesn't mean you don't have to deal with all that stuff. It just means all that stuff will have to deal with us. In Christ, living for Christ, reigning in Christ. So confess your fears, correct your focus, and then commit your future to Christ. Ask God to help you look ahead and live ahead. That's faith, right? Jesus, set your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him. Endure the cross, despising the shame. Commit your way to the Lord. What does the psalmist say? Don't fret over evildoers. Trust in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord, Psalm 37 says. Dwell in the land. Cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. You don't have to raise yourself. He'll do it. You don't have to save yourself. He'll do it. You don't have to worry yourself, because there's nothing to worry about. Christ is coming again. Is that good news? We need that focus, man. Let's pray together. So God in heaven, come and deal with our weary, weak, fallen souls. It's a struggle. We fail and we falter. But I thank you, dear God, that you're making the seeds of these broken lives into sequoias that last for eternity. So come, dear God, and help us to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because our labor in the Lord is never in vain. We pray this in Jesus' name.
0: Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were able to seek, savor, and share the all-surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to find out more about our church, submit a prayer request, watch previous sermons, Go to www.waterbrook.church. Have a blessed week.